we've been going through the uh, a brief uh, series on passing it on, and uh, you remember just the first week we did uh, talk about listening carefully, and the danger obviously is is there's so much noise that we can so easily not hear what's being said, and I think it's uh, or we're listening to the wrong voice and easily do it. We saw that with the disciples. If you remember when Jesus said that he was going to. Uh, be uh, crucified and uh, raised on the third day that only Mary really responded with what she could do by anointing him and the others listened to Judas and got all upset with uh, and started talking about how they should have sold it and made, given the money to the poor and so on. None of them said what can we do for your burial and resurrection. They, they didn't do it. So they weren't listening but then also he talks about in the book of Proverbs when he in chapter 1, when we listen and we really understand something, we then need to pass it on. And I think what happens so often, we all learn a lot, but how many of us are passing it on? And we're in a, a group and a generation today that know the Bible less than at any other time, probably in our nation's history. And so we really need to be listening, really hearing the Word of God, and then making sure we pass it on, not just verbally, like the Pharisees, but also living it also. We then also looked at uh, wisdom in life. If you remember in chapter 2, wisdom uh, protects your life. It shows when you gain wisdom, it keeps you from doing different things. Uh, you know what to avoid and who to avoid. And so I think that's important to see it. You also, in chapter 3, wisdom then on directs your life. That's what we have trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so He will direct it. And then in chapter 4, wisdom also perfects your life. If you remember in chapter 4, in verse 18, it talks about you first start with wisdom, it's just like the sunrise. You can see partially, but not well. But the more and more wisdom you gain, the brighter the sun becomes and the more you can see. And so that's what wisdom will do. Last week we looked a little bit about communication. And obviously a danger on communication is that of our tongue and that of how well can we tame our tongue. We can't tame it, but we can control it and a mature believer does, I think what happens, one of the problems that we have with our tongue is the older you get, the more uh, easily it is to just let it go. Part of that is because we don't care about what other people think. And so what we perhaps were thinking in the earlier times of our life, we now just let it go. When we look at bad communication, if you remember, you have the deceptive one who says one thing and does another. Um, a lot of things, you have the veneer type of speech. You know, you what's really is in the heart doesn't come out. You also have the one of flattery, trying to flatter you in order to get you to do something or whatever. And we also look at good communication. Uh, if you're communicating well, you restrain your lips at times. You have a timely, helpful, sincere word that really helps somebody. And uh, the correct words. And so I think it's important for us to see it because communication... It, and by the way, it's a two-way street, but there's also a lot of nonverbal communication. Anybody says one thing, and you can look at them, but you know their body language is telling you just the opposite. And so we have that. You know, I like to continue on this Pass It On series, and I like to look at friendship. In the book of Proverbs, a lot's talked about in friendship. You remember John 15, it tells you a friend will lay down his life for a friend. Proverbs 17, 17, you remember it, makes, it says that a friend sticks with you part-time, right? All the time. And so I think it's important to, to recognize that. So we live in a mobile and a very private society. 
And you also think about it in the time of Proverbs, you didn't have all this mobile thing, so your friends were also your neighbors. And so it's much, much harder to hide different things. I remember being in Dallas with Gene several years ago visiting a friend, and all the garages were in the back of the house, and they all had privacy fences. So when people would drive up, they'd go through the privacy fence, the door would open up, they'd drive in and close, and they, you knew no one. You were behind your privacy fence inside your garage, nobody ever could be very, very little. And so it's very uh, difficult for the friendship. I think it's important to think about it. When you come in the Old Testament, they were neighbors. They, were, they knew all about you. They saw it when you lost it. You saw all kinds of things. So I think it's important when you think about the friend of the Old Testament when he's talking about it. We'll look first of all just at a picture of a friendship. And look over to 1 Samuel 18. We won't cover all that. It could be a sermon in and of itself. But one of the best pictures of friendship in the uh, scripture would be that of David and Jonathan. And in chapter 17, it's critical because we don't look at 17. But in chapter 17, if you remember, every day Goliath was coming twice a day and he was taunting the Israelites. And the Israelite army was on one side and the Philistine army was on the other side. Now notice David and Jonathan were both there. Or excuse me, Jonathan and Saul were there along with all of David's brothers and the armies. But nobody, as we know well, nobody challenged the, the Goliath. But David does. When he comes, he accepts the challenge because he's relying on God. He defeats the giant. That's when you pick up the story in chapter 18. After this happens, thus 18 and verse 1. So you have the demonstration of what you have by David. And in chapter 18, notice Jonathan's decision. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul, this is talking about David, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Notice Jonathan recognizes the qualities that David has. You do not go as a youth or at any time go fight a a giant and win apart from having the Lord on your side. Jonathan sees it. It's interesting when it says the word knit, it's the same word used in Rahab of Rahab when she tied the rope outside. They're intertwined. They're together. How many of our friendships are intertwined like a rope? And notice it started that way, their decision. And notice it's interesting, again in 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including a sword, his bow, and his belt. And that's an amazing when you look at it, because what did Jonathan just do? He, who is in line to be a king? But Jonathan recognizes that God is with who? Is David. And because he recognizes that, he gives up the throne in recognizing that David is the one that God's going to use. And he's going to support him in any way that he can. And friends, I think it's important for all of us to recognize it's kind of going to cost both of them. When you get into Delighted, uh, and then you get into chapter 19, uh, you notice that in verse 1, David 
greatly delighted in you know, Jonathan greatly delighted in David and then from, from 2 to verse 6 notice that he basically is defending him and he does it throughout later on he's going to defend him and Saul even tries to kill Jonathan tries to kill David tries to kill Jonathan Jonathan recognizes God's plan and is going to work with it Saul recognizes God's plan but tries to work against it so if you want a good picture and by the way it costs both of them they didn't, get each, they didn't get to see each other often. If you remember when David is running, Saul, uh, Jonathan finds where he is and actually goes and comforts him. After Jonathan's death, it costs David because he spares Jonathan's son. Normally you wouldn't do that because if, as long as there's a son of Jonathan living, there's going to be people who are going to want to make Jonathan's son king. And so notice friendship costs both sides. But I think it's interesting, a great picture... He recognizes the qualities that David has, and he wants him as his friend. He also delights in him, his decision, and he defends him. It's going to cost him. I think it's important. How would you describe your friendships? You know? How would you how would your friends describe you? That's an interesting question, isn't it? How would your friends describe you? So you think about it, if you want to be a Jonathan or a David, and it's amazing, Jonathan's colleagues, amazing that you have. I think it's also, then you go to the book of Proverbs, and I think it's interesting when you look at this. So we have a picture of friendship in David and Jonathan in the book of Proverbs, and we'll do kind of like we did last time. We'll kind of start at one part and go through another. But let's just look, first of all, what are you wanting to obtain? In Proverbs chapter notice some requirements and then the reward Proverbs chapter 3 we've seen this before but uh, my son is verse 1 my son do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of your days and the years of your life that peace may be added to you do not, let, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on your tablet of your heart. So the requirements, obviously, is to keep all this in the Old Testament, everything before you at all times. You're learning it. You're obeying it. You're keeping it. But it's, you notice then in verse 4, so that you will find favor and good report in the sight of God and man. How important is a good name to you? I think one of the greatest things you can ever have is having a good name. You know, having a good name. I think it's worth more. In fact, when you get to let's jump over since uh, you think about it, jump over to 22.1 and then we'll come back. In uh, 22.1, I'll read it to you. A good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. Do people really believe that a good name is more valuable than any earthly possession. And I think it's important. It is, but it, we watch people today, and do they really believe it? Do they really? So what are you searching and seeking for? I'll never forget this happened to me. This would have been 50 years ago. But I remember it like yesterday. My mom and dad worked at the grocery, local grocery store, and my older brother worked there older brother was in charge of Night Stock. 
which means you stayed every Friday night and Saturday night. They locked you in the store, and you worked all night stock and show. And he had uh, two brothers working with him, and now I was now going to be the fourth guy to be at it. I'll never forget Bruce coming to me as I started working there. He said, Mom and Dad, and I, we've worked hard. We've got a good name. You're coming here and you're being watched. We don't want you to ruin our name. <laughs> you know, that was a good ask. that's a good question to ask, though. You can destroy a name real quick by what you do. And I was there four years, and my younger brother took over. You know. Same thing. I think it's important, though. How important is a good name? And uh, so I wanted to make sure and not disappoint. <laughs> I did the best that I could. Well, think about it. How important is a good name? And then how do you pass that on? But David and Jonathan did a great job of their friendship, but it cost both of them. If you want to be a good friend, it will cost. Let's look at what uh, will ruin friendship in the book of Proverbs. And uh, we'll just kind of start it like we did last week, and we'll kind of go from one part and just look at several verses. Chapter 13 of Proverbs will give us one. Things that will ruin a friendship. Notice in verse 10. Through presumption comes nothing but strife, but with those who receive counsel is wisdom. In other words, a know-it-all. You ever been with somebody who knows it all? It doesn't matter what subject it is, they know it all. They can come to your expertise and they can hear one little bit and they can tell you how to run your play. You have a know-it-all. Everywhere he goes, he knows it all. And that can cause, you notice you can't really say much or do anything. Any subject you talk about, anything, they know everything. Uh, it's amazing when I was at the refinery, been at the refinery, we had a new one come. Within two weeks, the artist telling everything how to change everything. And the boss that was over me was a friend of theirs, so they listened to all these. So they made all these different changes. It wasn't but within a matter of a few months that they realized that all the changes they did, there was a reason why we didn't add all this insulation, this piping, because whenever you had to pull the pump, it was in the way. So you're paying all these people to put all this stuff on, and as soon as you have a problem, it all had to be torn off. But nothing, nobody asked anybody anything. They, just, they saw it, and they had all these answers. And I think it's important. How many of us think we know it all, but do you really know something? No, if somebody makes a job look easy, it just means they're good at it. Try to do it one time, and you'll realize real quick it's not. So first of all, what, one way to ruin it is by knowing it all. Go over to chapter 15. We'll look at another one that can ruin a friendship. 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but slow to anger pacifies contention. Notice it stirs up trouble. How many of you have ever been with somebody, you're in a group and they're friends or we're doing whatever, acquaintances? And any time this person goes anywhere, they stir up problems. Well, what happens when you're with that group? Are you guilty by association? And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of a conflict, and you didn't open your mouth. And so I think it's important that a hot-tempered person 
can really get you in trouble when they're if they're a friend. In fact, in chapter 22, if you remember 24 and 25, it says if you're if you spend time with a person who is given to anger, it will become a snare because you're going to become like it. And so I think it's important when you're with somebody who's hot-tempered, they're going to stir things up, and you're going to get it. Be guilty. So what do you want to be known for? I remember when I taught school, and Gene and I taught school, there's one particular individual, in fact, I talked with him, he and I have been friends for a long time. But boy, he had a temper that was a fuse that, I mean, you just looked at him and he'd blow up. Well, how, how many of them do you think knew that and just did anything they could to, to egg him on? I mean, he got thrown out of more soccer games, he got red carded, he did all kinds of stuff because the people just knew you could do one little thing. And boy, he would be... Well, what happens when you're with him then? You go out to eat with him and all of a sudden something's not right and all of a sudden what happens? You go to a park store and something happens. And all of a sudden, because you're with him, you're guilty by association. So be real careful when you're around someone who's hot-tempered. It does have a problem and influence on you. So you have one that knows it all. You have one that's hot-tempered. Look over in chapter 17 and verse 28. Down through chapter 18 and verse 2. 28, it goes right along with 18. Even a fool, when he's kept silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's kind of prudent. You ever been around somebody who, when they're quiet, you really don't, you think maybe they know something. When they open their mouth, they realize, no, they don't. <laughs> if that's the case, then it's best to just be quiet, right? Take that on to 18 then. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. In other words, a self-centered know-it-all. We've seen plenty of them. They know everything. And so what happens is they may be gifted in different areas, but you have a lot of people that will come in. I'm sure Brian gets it person comes in and they know everything they can about a car and they tell them how to do it. Uh, and they've never had an engine apart, but they can immediately diagnose it and tell you how to fix it. So we have that in anything we do. Or I remember growing up and we had people who had no children, but they could tell you how to raise yours. Uh, it's amazing what happens when they have their own or they realize it's a whole lot more difficult than you think it is. So I think it's important, but again, when we're around people like that that are self-centered, it's very hard for that to be a good friendship because it's all about them. It's either about them, you go against them, it doesn't work. And I think it's important. So instead of interrupting or arguing, have you ever thought about reiterating what someone's trying to say? How many times do we get into discussions or arguments or whatever you want to call it, and we're already coming up with an answer before we ever heard the question? or their side, or whatever. Have we ever stopped and said, let me see if I've got it right, and put into words, your words, what they're trying to say. You will dissolve so many conflicts if you'll just try to, because what often happens is that's not what they're trying to say, and you misunderstood. Just try to put into words what they're saying. So notice you have the know-it-all, you have the hot-tempered, 
You have the one that's self-centered, only cares about himself. Look in chapter 16. It's on 16 and then also it's in 20. In 16, 28. A perverse man spreads strife and the slanderer separates intimate friends. Notice a slanderer or a backbiter, he hears it and he spreads it. And what happens? You know, it'll be like a fire, but what also happens is in it, close friends can be stopped by somebody saying different things. I think it's important to, you have the same thing in 20 and verse 19. Uh, the, uh, in 20 and verse 19, it makes the same type of statement. He who goes about as a slander reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. <clears throat> I'll never forget, again, this would have been about 50 years ago. I was in a youth group. and uh, So anyway, you know, when you're in a small youth group, you don't have a whole lot of uh, dating possibilities. There's uh, three young ladies that were there, and so anyway, I took one out. And the second time I'd taken her out, and I was really, actually, on two different occasions of the three, anyway, I took it out, and really, we, she and I were just talking and revealed a lot of things that was going on in my own heart, and thinking about college and different things. And really, uh, next day I walked in the youth group, and the youth group at the time was in an L shape. So you're walking in the L, the people inside can't hear you. I can't see you right now. And what do you think was being told about? The very thing you told in confidence to the young lady. Now how many people in the youth group know about it? How many times do you think I asked her out again? Another time I remember I asked a young lady out in the youth group. I thought we had a good time. She's a good friend of my younger sister. That's back before you had cell phones. You remember landlines. Some of you can remember that far back. <clears throat> well, there was two landlines in my in our home. And I thought, well, I'm going to call her and ask her out again. I picked up the phone. I didn't realize that my younger sister was on the phone to her in the other room. Picked it up, heard him talking, and remember my sister said, well, if Dan asked you out again, would you go? I didn't put her up to it. I'm just sitting there. Hey, this is interesting. And... Uh, she says, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I'd rather not, but I don't want to hurt his feelings. Click. Didn't ask her out. But I think it's important the slander and backbiting can really hurt. So, so what happens is, <clears throat> so what happens is then you often then all of a sudden you do what? At that young age, there's nobody in the youth group worth dating, and then all of a sudden you can get looking at other people that you really shouldn't even consider so I think it's important they slander and the backbiting. What about in chapter 23? 6 to 8. <clears throat> Do not eat bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You have vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your confidence. In other words, a fake friend. You ever had any of those? <clears throat> they say one thing, but they don't mean it at all. And you take them at their word, and the next thing you know, it can be very destructive. What about when you think about it in verse 19 and 20? This would be in uh, 23. Twenty-three. 
I think I think I wrote down the wrong one. We look here and says, no, that isn't the right one. Look over in chapter twenty-six. Notice in verse uh, seventeen to twenty-one. Like one who takes a dog by the ears, he who passes by and meddles with the strife that doesn't belong to him. Like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was just joking. Anybody ever uh, get involved in conflicts that you don't know anything about and you should keep your nose out of it? And what happens when you jump in, what happens so often, both sides do what? <laughs> they turn on you. I'll never forget my friend I worked with, a believer. We worked at the UPS together. And he came to work the next day, and it looked like he had been in a fight, and he lost severely. And what happened is, cat had got out and got in a cat fight. Well, if you've ever had a cat fight, he runs up and grabs his cat. Well, the cat doesn't know. The cat turns, and what do you think the cat did to his face? And he makes the statement, I can't believe the cat would have done that to me. Well, the cat's in the middle of a fight, and anything that's out there, he's going after. How many times do you and I get in the middle of something contentious and we have no business getting into it? You don't know everything. You don't know what's going on. It's best to leave it alone. I think it's interesting what you have uh, is what we need to do. So think about just the few we looked at. Well, our friend not to be is the one that knows it all, or one that's hot-tempered, or one that's self-centered, or slander, or a fake one, or a contentious one. And I think it'd be interesting, would we really be open to listen if people asked, we asked them to write down what type of friend we are, and be honest. How of us really want to know? Because you can't change until you know. But how many of us are going to be honest with somebody? Isn't that what happened with, you think about Jeroboam? Remember, he asked for advice. Solomon's wise men who knew it told him what to do. He listens to his friends that tell him the wrong advice. And it cost him a great part of his kingdom. Who we listen to means a lot. So notice then that's the first one about talk about friendship that is to avoid. Don't want to be that kind of friend, nor do you want to select that kind of friend, because if you do, you're gonna become like. Let's look at what type of friend we need to be in the book of Proverbs. Look over in chapter eleven, we'll go back and start like that. Notice in verse twelve and thirteen. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, and a man of understanding keeps silent. He goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals the matter. You want a friend to keep a secret. It doesn't mean something that's illegal or something along that, but every one of us can see things. You've been around anybody any length of time. We all have things we've messed up on, and people can know it. But he who is without sin can throw the first stone. And so we can then ruin a person's reputation by saying a few little things or do we keep it a secret and not reveal everything we know. 
is it of any benefit? And obviously, you're living in that kind of society. They're your neighbor for life. And you're going to see all kinds of things. Let's look at another one. Look at chapter 17, verse 9. Need to keep a secret. Notice in verse 9, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. I think it's interesting that we overlook an offense. If you don't overlook an offense, how many friends are you going to have? Seriously. You'll have a friend for a little while, but I don't care who you are. That's the reason why 1 Peter 4 eight love covers a multitude of sins. And I think it's one reason why the older and the longer you've been married, why the love is soft and deeper is because you've all realized, man, I've really messed up so many times and they still love me. They still care for me. So I think it's interesting. You keep a secret, you overlook an offense. Since you're in 17, go over to verse 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. That is being used basically of a dam. And you have a little bit of water coming through, you have to plug it. If you don't plug it, what's going to happen? It's going to get bigger and blow it all out. And I think it's important to plug it before it breaks. So often we don't plug it, we open it up more and more. And the next thing you know, you can't stop it. And here it comes. So I think it's important for us when we hear things or when things happen, we, uh, in other words, pick your battles. We can always be in a quarrel with somebody at all times. Because there's always something, and it's also we're always assuming that we're correct, too. But I think it's important. Go down to verse 17. We quoted this earlier. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In other words, a friend is going to to come to your aid. When it says a brother is born for adversity, it doesn't mean you're there fighting, but you're going to have things that happen in a family, and they're there to help you. And so I think it's important, you know, I have two brothers, but in fact all of my family, none of them live. It's at least a minimum of a day's drive. So they'll come to my aid, but it's a minimum of a day's drive. But a friend can be right here. It's not that they wouldn't be, and if I called, I can assure you they would make do every effort to be here. But a friend is here right now. A brother is not always here. He can live in another state. In my case, they all live in other states. But I think it's interesting what you have. Look over then another one. What about 1911? Man's discretion makes him slow to anger. His glory to overlook a transgression. Are we slow to anger and overlook a fault? <clears throat> I had a very short fuse growing up, and one of the first verses I memorized was James chapter 1, 17. Let us be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And having siblings as many as we did, we all knew how to poke the bear if you want to use it. And so, 
And we all knew exactly what to say or even look or whatever it was. So the Lord really spoke to my heart that you needed to be slain. So I'd memorize that and I'd, I even started counting. I'm not going to say anything until I counted to 10 or 20 or whatever it might be. And it can often really help you. And so I think it's important to really realize to be slow to anger because you have, it's so quick. And what happens, it'll change the conversation real quick. Somebody can be hurt and immediately they try to turn it on you. You respond and the next thing is all over. So be slow to anger. How about chapter 20? Notice how much is being said in the book of Proverbs about a good friend and a bad friend. And when we pick the ones we have, how, what kind of impact it has on us. Chapter 20 and verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. <laughs> in other words, pick your battles. You can have a fight every day if you want. You can have a fight with a coworker or a family member, anything, every day. You get on driving a car, if you want a battle, and there's plenty out there who just, I mean, they're just, okay, they cut you off, okay? They want in your lane and didn't signal, okay? Pick your battles. Is it really worth it? So uh, I think it's important to pick our battles. There's only some that we really ought to be concerned about. Others, just let them go. What about in chapter 22? In verse 11, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. Do we have pure motives and gracious heart? Why would that be important to a king? How many times if you're a king and have that kind of control are people saying things just to move up the ladder or get whatever? How many really want someone to be pure and genuine with you in what's going on? And I think it's, it's amazing, you know, at the refinery uh, in different ones, when people realize first they're doing one thing and all of a sudden they realize, well, Dan can't really help me. He's too low. It's amazing how many times things will change. And so that reveals a great deal about that person. When they are only doing things and they realize you can't help them move up the ladder, their opinion or whatever it might be changes. We don't need to be that kind of individual. Look at the next one in chapter... 25 and verse 17. When you look at this, how all through Proverbs, that's why I remember growing up and they would tell me, you ought to read a proverb a day and five psalms a day. If you do, you'll get through both of them every single, every single month. How well do young people need the book of Proverbs? But it says a great deal. But notice in chapter... Uh, you look at uh, chapter, I think we had 22 in verse 25. Notice in verse 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. Avoid being a nuisance. You ever have any that, I mean, every time you turn around, <laughs> you know, we had a, a neighbor, Jan and I did, and I mean, the only time you saw them was when they wanted something. And they were there on more than, even getting calls 21 years later. Don't ever hear from them, but when they need something. You know, avoid being a nuisance. Uh, and I think it's important to recognize uh, not to be a nuisance all the time. 
What about since you're in uh, Gilbert 27, we'll finish with several in 27. In verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. How many of you care enough to, cor to, to correct or confront? I think that's a lot more difficult than you realize. But if you care enough about a person, you confront them. In love, of course, at the right time. But you care enough to confront. And obviously that wound, it's, it's going to hurt. But how well do you take it when a friend confronts you? You know, I think it's important because we need to re-recognize why it's being said. You know, is there truth to what's being said? And it's better that you get that wound now than you never correct it because you can really cause you a lot of problems down the road. But I think it's important. So often we are surrounded ourselves with people who just tell us what we want to hear. And I think that's one of the most dangerous things you have. In fact, that's interesting. Who was our second and third president of the United States? First was? Second, Adams. Third, Jefferson. Adams and Jefferson were the very best of friends. They both died on the same day. But do you realize they are on opposite sides of the party? One was on this party, and the other was on the other party, and they didn't agree politically at all. Went back and forth. But they were the very best of friends. And you can learn a lot from a person who's being willing to be honest with you. But how many of us would make them our best friend if they don't agree with us? We can learn from them, just like those two men did. Chapter 27, what about in verse 9? Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. I think it's interesting that you have genuine advice. How many of us are open to it, but how many of us will give it? You know, I think it's important. We so often think we know it all, but are really open to genuine advice. Or how many of us have a plan already made out and we're just looking for people to uh, say that's the right plan? It may be, but are really open to genuine advice. And I don't think it's something at any age that we're really that open to. But a good friend will give it, and a good friend will receive it. What about in verse 10? Don't forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. I think it's interesting when you look at it. Repay. If somebody does something good for you, you need to repay it. Whether it's yours or whether even if it's a family member. When you get a chance that you can repay a favor, you do it. And also, talking about a brother's far away, be available. <clears throat> One of the best examples you might remember, Onus came and, and Jackie came, a neighbor of ours that came and uh, gave his testimony. We first uh, bought the property from him and built the house. Well, obviously, when we first started, we had trying to be at one house, running a business, trying to get the other house built, so many different things. Well, first couple of times he came down and he mowed my yard because I was too busy. 
I didn't ask him to. You know, at that age, he certainly could have said, no, it came out of motive. Um, I went to, they were doing the building and they didn't put the forms in the way I wanted them. They're coming with the concrete the next day. He's down there and he and I are out there taking the forms all apart, redoing the forms so it would be the way we wanted it. Okay, but a man who has everything, what do you do for him? A couple of years ago, his wife, she's now, uh, has now gone to be with the Lord. Alzheimer's had put her into uh, a, a facility, and he sold the house to be with her. Well, now it's this time of year, actually a little later in November, and his yard is just a mess. We never had it that way, but it's a total mess. Leaves everywhere, it looks terrible. Well, do I have a couple of lawnmowers? My son's working for me. Did he help me? It may have been 15 years earlier, but I now have a way that I can pay him back. So we went over to the yard. He didn't owe me anything. He didn't, you know, I'm just trying to help him because he helped me. We need to do the same thing. You never know when that repaying can be. But are we looking for a way to repay something? Realizing it, no, I don't owe it to him, but out of gratitude, I want to do it. And so I think it's important. The last one, what about 17? Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Exchange of ideas and thoughts. How many of us are really open to exchanging ideas? How many of you, are, you know, have been around, you think one thing and you go through it, and all of a sudden, this happens a lot with the council the last several times. One comes up with an idea, somebody else, we, we have a very open discussion, somebody else comes up with another, hey, I like that one better. So one thing I liked about Don Eaton when he was on it years and years ago, he made it a deal and he heard something, he says, his idea is better than mine. Now how many of us are willing to do that? An exchange of ideas, opening eyes and listening. So let's think about it then, when you think about friendship, how many of you uh, want to have a friendship like David and John. If you do, that was a lifelong commitment, but it cost both of them something. But they're willing to do it. I think, do I really want to have a good name? So if you do, there's certain friends we have to avoid. <clears throat> certain type of friend I don't want to be, certain type of friend that I realize I need to avoid. And I think it's interesting. I was talking with a relative, and he's been divorced a couple of times, and he and I were talking. I said, well, you realize what's happening. Where are you going shopping? If you only go to a bar to go shopping, what type of individual are you going to get there? You know, who are you with? And so I think it's important when you look at it. But what about, do I want to be a person who keeps a secret, who overlooks an offense, who's slow to anger, who picks his battles, he supports a person, exchanges ideas, and a lot of times, the best friend you have is just one who listens. Why do people like their pets so much? They don't talk back. They just listen. I think we can learn a lot from our pets and just listen. Just listen. We usually want to try to fix the problem. Let's just listen to the problem. So what type of friend are you and what type of friend do you want to be?